0: hello and welcome to how to start up a podcast for anyone starting a company in 2020 this is a collection of conversations with people who have all successfully started run and even sold their own companies sharing not only professional but personal experiences on what we should be doing now next or never this episode We hear from Ewan Jong, experientialist in chief and co founder of Out There magazine. For those who have not yet discovered it, Out There is an award winning luxury and experiential travel inspiration journal rooted in diversity, discovery, and discernment. Ewan talks about why being on your own clock enables a whole new autonomy in how you work, and why adopting the slow road may be more rewarding in the end, and why taking time away from work can have a really big impact. Hi Ewan. thank you so much for joining How to Start Up today. It would be wonderful if you could give a little bit of a background as to who you are and what your company is and when you started it.
1: Hello, Jules.
0: Oh, Ewan. Hi.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do you like my sultry my sultry podcast voice?
0: I know. I've never heard this side of your voice before.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I'm
0: <laughs> okay, so back to the intro.
1: Absolutely no problem. Uh, I am Ewan Jong. I am proud to be experientialist in chief of Out There. Quite simply, Out There is the world's leading luxury and experiential travel magazine for LGBT plus people and their friends.
0: Why did you start the
1: company? Well, Out There stems from a love of travel, really. and I've been travelling all my life. I'm just one of those sort of nomadic people. Uh, my dad was an architect, and my family, I guess, we got to do some travelling around the world when I was little Uh, when he was working I wasn't in school Uh, he had a couple of hotel projects so from a really young age I picked up a keen eye for hospitality
0: and a love for hotels as well (laughs) and a love
1: for hotels absolutely and he very much wanted me to follow in his footsteps to be an architect and that just wasn't me so I knew it wasn't me but I knew I was keen on tourism time passes you know it you know sometimes you've got to take the long way around Get where you want to. Uh, in my industry, you call it slow travel. So, after 10 years of working in integrated marketing and comms uh, as a young entrepreneur in a creative agency, I was fortunate enough to f- sell my part of the business back uh, and, with the proceeds, take myself off traveling. I started to realize there wasn't really inclusive travel media and advice for people like me. I didn't identify or see myself in what was rather undiverse mainstream travel publications back in those days. And even the magazines for the LGBT community that I subscribed to was so focused on how I was supposed to live my life as a stereotypical gay person. And frankly, I'd also fancied going over to the other side. I spent years talking about stories and pitching to media, and I always thought I could do this. So my business partner, Martin, who was already working in magazine publishing, presented the idea of creating a luxury travel magazine together. The rest is history, really.
0: And it's been 10 years now, hasn't it?
1: It has been 10 years, 10 roller coaster years. But you know what? 10 years of amazing journeys. And I wouldn't change any of it. Maybe some of it.
0: <laughs> okay, is there anything you go back and do differently?
1: No, you wouldn't get to the place that you are without having experienced some of those things so even if i had the time machine to go back and change that that means i couldn't necessarily be in the position that i was today so actually it's it's all part of the journey and you've got to take some of the sour bits with the uh you know with the sweet
0: because you started the magazine in print and presumably digital at the same time
1: yes i mean everything everything happened all at once you know i came from an agency where we had 40 people running around doing stuff to literally just me and Martin, my business partner, who was also my uh, my partner in life at the time. It's a baptism of fire because you've literally suddenly got to do everything yourself.
0: And what was it you did first? Is there one thing that you look back on and go, that was a really good first foundation step? Okay,
1: I think the good first step was to get networking, was to tell people about yourselves. And actually, you know what, I, I learned that from my first business. When we sort of set up my first marketing business, we all. There were three of us. We got our heads down and we beavered away, you know, being, being eager beavers to do what we wanted to do. We just worked and worked and worked and worked. And, worked. and I realized maybe a year in that nobody knew who we were. <laughs> we were doing good work, uh, but we weren't really shouting about ourselves. And, you know, I think as Brits, sometimes we're a little bit shy in that way uh, about talking about ourselves. Maybe we're more humble than, say, our American counterparts. But actually, one of our biggest sort of clients, one of our biggest first pieces of work as out there was was in America. And that was an interesting baptism of fire. And I think that taught taught us a lot, taught us about the power of networking and networking not about who you know, or who you're going to find, you know, who you're going to meet. It's about who those people know as well. And the the, the world that opens up to you by just sort of joining up the dots and, and, and meeting lots of people who can then introduce you to other people because they know what you're doing and who you are. So, yeah, I think if it, if there was a top tip, don't forget to tell people about yourself, uh, what you do and who you are, because it's, it's very easy to do that.
0: And I've found you can get completely bogged down in the actual work, but to actually carve out dedicated time to do that and get the word out. And then, as you said, the economies of scale will flow.
1: I think I wanted to say as well, don't be afraid of leaning on friends. Um, I was a little scared to do that. And I, I think in hindsight, I wish I wasn't. I wish I got to my friends quicker um because as actually your friends and your family that do want to sort of jump in and help um so yeah definitely don't be afraid to lean in on friends
0: and put your hand up until you put your hand up people don't know you may need help absolutely and you know in the age of google you you, you try to
1: do everything yourself you know you google everything yourself it's like uh and sometimes google its wealth of information can be quite overwhelming and sort of puts you in a space where you're like oh my god i can't i can't do this um, when actually what you need to do is turn around to a friend that's an accountant or a friend that's a lawyer or a friend that's in marketing or PR or IT, which was my big thing, <laughs> you know, getting to, term, getting to learn tech and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think I could have solved those problems quicker and easier.
0: I mean, I've been telling mum all the time that Google is her best friend and don't call me or my brother. Try Google. And actually, <laughs> she might have a point that if you turn to friends first, you might get a quicker and better answer. That- yeah, or at least they
1: can point you in the right direction. People have been through the same issues and they can actually sort of demystify a lot of what's out there in the world and get you to the place quicker.
0: What is it you love the most about being (laughs) self-employed? I mean, it's a loaded question.
1: That's a loaded question. What do I love most about being self-employed is being on my own clock. I find it very difficult to work for people because I just have my own way of doing things. Not, that, not in the way that I'm bloody-minded. You know, maybe people will say I'm bloody-minded. But it's just in the way I do things, I like to take things at my own pace. And in the sort of more corporate world, I guess, where or if you're working for someone, you don't always have that luxury of that time, you know, because you've got an objective to meet, you've got a goal to meet, and you've got to get there quick. Um, I think being on your own clock is, is a luxury. That is also a good sort of motivator to help you sort of manage your time better in the way that, you know, delivers the best result for you rather than in, in the way that's been prescribed to you.
0: What would you have said is the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself since becoming your own boss?
1: I would say the most surprising thing is that I can do a lot more than I thought I could. <laughs> My abilities actually stretch further. And my brain had the capacity to do things that I didn't think was possible.
0: And is that because the whole jack-of-all-trades and master of them too, you've had to put yourself into situations you never thought you would ever be in and then you've done it you've worked it out?
1: Absolutely. And, you, and Or you learn things along the way and you, you gain this knowledge, you know. Um, and it may be somewhere that you've never you've never looked at before, never something you've never had to look at before because you've had an accountant or you've had a lawyer, or you've had all these people reading documents for you and explaining in layman's term or the simplest terms possible what it is.
0: And what is it you enjoy the least about being self employed?
1: Working for the company in which you run is, is 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 challenging because firstly you've got to look there's there's a lot of people you have to look after. When it is your company, it's your family, their happiness and their Success is also yours. Happiness and success. The, I guess this this is a common one, but the irregularity of income. Income can be irregular. Some months it can be far better than you know you ever dreamt it would, and some months it could be nothing at all.
0: And how do you manage that sort of sometimes anxiety around that?
1: I think in the past I used to get very anxious about it, uh, and now I'm taking a little bit of a kasra kasra attitude. Um, whatever will be will be. Particularly in this pandemic age uh there's a lot you can control um but all you can do is to do your very best be the best version of yourself get your head down um work as hard as you can and and
0: all, all be good at the end so have that resilience in the faith of what you're doing and just keep going
1: No, yeah, absolutely and put trust in yourself you know especially when you're starting off your business you start to question yourself a little bit you know did I make the right decision is is there a consumer need is there a market for what I'm doing or is this just a big vanity project (laughs) you know and um you you can spend a lot of time playing that thing over and over and over in your head and it's really unhealthy
0: and it takes up a lot of headspace.
1: A lot of emotion.
0: A hundred percent. And especially when you're working from home and your thoughts are with you the whole time. And there's not too many team members interjecting to break that thought button. And someone said to me this year that anything you do on repeat in a bid to save yourself time, you need to look to how you can automate, template, delegate, and in fact, solve that thing. Oh,
1: wow, that's a good one.
0: The solve thing was really interesting because I had something going on in my personal life that kept coming up in my brain and taking up lots of headspace and worried and thought. And I thought... I haven't yeah. got brain space for this. I haven't got time to keep thinking this thought. I need to solve it. And then I need to move on from it. And it's hard, but it's when you're, yeah, I so get it. When you're left alone with your own thoughts too much, you can have that anxiety build up for sure.
1: Absolutely. And I think you, you just need to beat that as quickly as possible because that takes up a lot of time.
0: How have you maintained creativity in this time? Well,
1: first thing I'll say that I don't know whether we're in the middle, start or end. But I don't think that matters. I think so many people are so uh, focused on when the pandemic is going to be over that they forget to be innovative and creative in the pandemic. We can't be sat here waiting for the almighty reset. So what we need to be able to do is to find a way to work with the pandemic or work in the pandemic, given the circumstances that we've been thrown. What can we do to create as much value as possible uh, in that time and even more value for the brand or business when we're out the other side.
0: And that's something I've witnessed from out there and your team and yourself. You've been so nimble and generous with your time and suddenly you're speaking to so many different people and you're, you're helping so many different people in the industry. Has that given you real encouragement to your business model?
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, I could say it's been a terrible year for business but a really good year for brand. People sometimes forget, particularly in good times, people forget how important it is to also develop your brand. And in this time, what we've been able to do is develop our brand, whether that's in being innovative. I think mean, you were talking about four tips earlier. I have four-stage thought process of how to get through times like this. The four things you need to look at. Creativity, innovation, resilience, and stewardship. I think there's four really important things to consider uh, and people often ask me what the difference between creativity and innovation is and creativity is a little bit more stagnant it's coming up with with with, with ways and means of looking at making your business as different as possible and innovation for me is different creativity because innovation infers moving forward uh, rather than just making yourself look different how can you push yourself forwards into whatever future you're in stewardship is about how you guide yourself if you're a one-man band or your business and and how you act in a time of crisis to be able to inspire others and really generate value for your business and resilience we all know what resilience is you know strength
0: yeah that's a lot to think about it's always important to keep long-term view in mind
1: absolutely big picture thinking is is super important
0: How did you keep motivated at the beginning when it was all new and you weren't sure and you were trying stuff and testing things? How did you keep yourself upbeat about everything?
1: Getting off the ground is one of the most challenging. It's like getting an airplane to take off. It's where the plane needs the most power. Everything needs to be firing on all cylinders. Everyone needs to be concentrating. And yeah, I was very passionate when we started. When there's a need, when you can identify a need, that means there's an opportunity to have a successful business because if you're one person that really need that thinks you need this need <laughs> there are going to be tons of other people out there as well i think i think a lot of businesses particularly corporate businesses are so focused on trying to meet the needs of as many people as possible you know, but i think there's a there's a real opportunity for smaller business and niche businesses like ours to meet the need of a group of people who 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 can prove to be really valuable
0: you travel a heck of a lot how do you learn to switch off occasionally
1: you have to switch off i would say that i didn't very early on my business was my passion and it was 24 7 and i'll be the first to admit it was at the detriment of my home life too martin and i who were partners uh, and business partners uh, i'd say relationships run their course but A lot of the reason why our relationship ran its course was because of out there. And, you know, there are obviously other personal reasons too, but I just want to say this, that if you're working with your partner, you know, you've got to be able to switch off. If you're working with anyone, I mean, if you're working with anyone or you're you're working for yourself, you've got to know when to switch off because your business can become all-encompassing. It's really important that you find that balance and to realize that the people around you don't want to talk about your work all all the time. (laughs) You've got to realize that not everybody wants to do that too because they've had a busy day and they want some downtime. And I can't recommend that anymore, to be able to know when the end of your day is, to say that whether it's 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, but however you structure your day, make sure you give yourself me time that's super important because if you're not looking after yourself it's going to be very hard to look after your business too
0: and it's important to mention that you and martin are still great business partners
1: absolutely and we're best friends we made a call very early on to say actually we could continue you know being partners talking about work 24 7 bringing work home all the time and it will completely wreck whatever relationship we have left so let's find a way to make this better to be able to make that personal split and carry on as business partners and best friends is super important.
0: For me, yeah, I hear you on that carving out times, doing hobbies, doing things outside your day-to-day work, that when you do see a friend or a family member, you have something else to talk about that isn't just work.
1: Yeah, with a scheduled social time. I get it, you know, because there's a great opportunity to network and there's a great opportunity to exchange ideas, but schedule that as work. Say, this is a work meeting, you know, call, call someone up, say, I want an hour of your time over a drink to talk about work, but then I want an hour of your time or whatever, however long to just go to dinner and have a kiki and a ha-ha, like, you know, real friends.
0: <laughs> Lastly, is there one golden nugget piece of advice that you would want to offer someone starting a new company? Hmm.
1: Don't be afraid of the long road because sometimes things can take time because, you know, there's this whole world of public speakers on entrepreneurship at the moment. You know, they'll talk to you about how they got from A to B really quickly. And that doesn't always happen. Sometimes you've got to take the long way around. In, In your slow travel, you pick up a lot of stories and you pick up a lot of experience that you wouldn't do if you got from A to B very quickly you've sometimes got to set yourself off on a long road and it might have bridges and tunnels and some of it might be hanging off a cliff and <laughs> <laughs> some of it might be a four-lane motorway, you know, very comfortable. Um, on that that proverbial road to, to where you want to get to. But everyone has a different way of coming at it. So there's no right way. Don't be swayed by people that are telling you there's a quick way to get from A to B or there's a right way to do things and I'll add to that though the complete opposite side to that trust your gut because and sometimes when your head gets filled up with all these ideas of other people's successes you lose sight of what you were trying to get to to start with
0: thank you Ewan that was really really insightful I really appreciate your time too
1: thank you for having me Juliet this was wonderful Uh, I hope it was useful thank you and I hope to see you and speak to you very soon
0: Still in my early days of self-employment, I've sometimes felt that things aren't moving quickly enough. However, it's really reassuring to hear from Ewan that that's actually quite a good thing in the long run. Plus, dedicating time also not to work and not even talk about work, even in the early stages, is vital. And dear friends who are listening, I do promise also to not talk about this podcast the entire time. However, I would just like to say a huge thank you to everybody who has rated and reviewed the podcast. It has just ranked number five in Apple's entrepreneurial category, which is so lovely to see that it's reaching the right people. If you'd like to contact Ewan, you can find his details in the show notes, along with a written recap of all the advice he has shared. Thank you for listening to How to Start Up, hosted by me, Juliet Fallowfield, founder of PR Consultancy for Startups, Fallowfield and Mason. I hope these conversations offer you some confidence, encouragement and reassurance that you're on the right track. I would be delighted if you'd rate, review and share this podcast with anyone else who might be starting a company in 2020.